As you're doing that, I feel like I should ask those of you who were here last week, did any of you have any problem with Oreos this week? I heard Pastor Ron use that as an illustration of our struggle with sin in Romans chapter 7. He told me that he talked about the problem. Now I get to talk about the solution today in Romans chapter 8. So listen to these words of Scripture, uh, verses 1 to 17. The Bible says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do and that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so He condemned sin and sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. And those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin. Yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live, because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. In John 16, verse 7, Jesus said to the disciples, That I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, I imagine that when Jesus said that to the disciples in the upper room, they were a bit confused by what he was saying. I mean, what do you mean you're going away? And how is that to our advantage? I mean, I thought this was the time when you were coming to establish your kingdom. I mean, this was great. You have come as our Messiah, our conqueror, our Savior. What do you mean you're going away? And who is this counselor that you are talking about? 
You see, the disciples didn't understand what Jesus had planned. They didn't understand that Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit and His strategic ministry in our life. They didn't understand that the Holy Spirit would not come until Jesus had returned to the Father's side. They were ignorant of His ministry in our life. And I find today that there are many believers who are also unaware of the Holy Spirit's importance in our life as a Christian. I grew up in a church, for example, where we talked a lot about God and we talked about Jesus and I could tell you about God the Father and I could tell you about Jesus. But very little was said about the Holy Spirit and His work always remained sort of a mystery to me. And yet the Bible tells us that it is impossible to live the Christian life apart from the Spirit's work in our life. And that's what we're going to be talking about today in this wonderful passage in Romans 8 that talks about life in the Spirit. In verses 1 to 4, Paul tells us that we have a new standing in Christ. And this passage, these four verses are just packed with spiritual truth that is so awesome when you think about it. I mean, just consider what he is saying here. He is saying that there is no condemnation now for those who are in Christ Jesus. That statement is true even for the believer who is still struggling with sin just like Paul was in Romans chapter 7. We may still have battles that are going on in our life, things that we wrestle with, and yet before God... In His presence, the Bible says that we have been justified through faith in Jesus Christ. And the fruit of justification is that our sins have been paid for. The penalty has been paid. And so when we stand before God, we are in Christ and there is no condemnation for us as believers. That's a staggering truth. The debt has been paid in full already. By Jesus Christ. He goes on to tell us that because we are in Christ, the law of the Spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. This old law that we lived under in our natural selves, this law of sin and death and the consequences for our behavior, were deadly. And yet now, because we are in Christ, He tells us that this law, this new principle, this new way of living, Life in the Spirit has set us free from all of that. He tells us that the old law could not make us holy. The old law was weak because of our sinful nature. The commandments could reveal our sin. They could show us the will of God, but they did not have the power to change us. They condemned us in our sin. And yet he tells us that this new law, the law of life in the Spirit, can and does change us by God's power and His work within. He tells us that God sent His Son as an atonement for our sin. God took care of the problem of our sin. God took care of the debt that we owed when He sent Jesus to be this sin offering. And He did it in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who no longer live by the old law, but who live in the Spirit. That is an amazing truth. You see, things have changed. We have been delivered from this kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's Son. And so all of these statements are true of us. 
And what the Scripture calls us to do is to live that out in our life every single day. You see, Paul is saying that there are two very different ways that people can live. We can live by the law of sin and death in that sphere, or we can live by the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus in that sphere. We can follow the way of the world and we can listen to its desires and what it thinks is good, but that way leads to death. Or we can follow the Spirit of Christ and choose to put our mind and our focus on the things that He desires and that leads to life. Both of those laws are operative in our world. One pulls down and the other lifts up. You know, when I think about it, perhaps this illustration can be helpful for us. Imagine that most of you, or many of you at least, have had the opportunity to fly in an airplane. Do you remember the first time that you flew in an airplane? How did you feel about that? I mean, were you a little excited and a little nervous at the same time? I think about when I got on one of those commercial planes the first time. You know, I was excited to be going somewhere where I didn't have to drive. And yet, I was a little, you know, anxious about, how does all of this work? I mean, it's an amazing thing to me that planes, as big as they are, can get up in the air. And I know when you're flying that first time, you're probably noticing all of the sounds, you know, and especially when you get up in the air and the landing gear is coming up, you know, you're going, is that normal? Is that the way it's supposed to sound? And you go through all of those thoughts. Because when you fly, there are two conflicting laws that are at work all the time. There is the law of gravity that is at work in our world all the time, and it's pulling us down, keeping us attached to the earth. But when you fly, there is a higher law. It's the law of aerodynamics. It's the law that says that if you have enough thrust and enough lift, you can fly. You can get that plane off the ground. And provided there are no mechanical failures and everything goes right, you're going to safely reach your destination because of that higher law. Now, in order for us to experience the benefit of that higher law, though, we have to, by faith, get on that airplane. If you were up in the air and you chose to step out of that airplane, which I don't know why you'd want to do that, but if you chose to step out of it, the law of gravity immediately takes over and you would go down. There's a higher law at work. And one that, again, we only experience when we choose to walk by faith in that. And Paul is saying, in a sense, in this spiritual realm, there are these two laws at work. The law of sin and death, it wants us to follow the way of the world. It wants to pull us down, but that way leads to death. And there is the law of life in the Spirit. And the only way that we experience the victory that God intends for us And the growth that He wants us to experience in this life is by choosing to live and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit each and every day. Now, as Christians, when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, we've been taken out of this realm of sin and death and brought into this spiritual realm of life and peace and the power and all of these things that are available to us. But each and every day, we need to choose to take advantage of those things that God has made for us in Christ. That's why Paul goes on to say that as a Christian, we have a new mindset in verses 5 to 8. And we are to set our mind on what the Spirit desires. 
He says, those who live according to the sinful nature have their mind set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The word that Paul uses here for setting our mind on something means to think about, to aim at, or to be intent on. It involves both our intellect as well as our will. It's not just knowing some things, but then it's choosing to live by that. It's making that that commitment, that choice to trust in it and to follow Him. Because what we think about affects our behavior. It affects the way that we live. And we see that all the time in our world. For example, before uh, Christmas, there was a lot of advertising that you were being sent, you know, through the mail probably, or in the newspapers, or on television. There were all kinds of advertisements. People wanted you to buy their product. People wanted you to come in and shop at their store. Uh, There was so much advertising and so much talk about sales that you almost felt like you were missing out if you didn't go. Well, that's what they want you to think because they know that what we think about affects our behavior. The same thing is true spiritually. And Paul is saying that the person who has set his mind on the things of the flesh is going to go that direction. The person who thinks about what the world desires or the person who is focused upon, say, money or sex or power or all those kind of things is going to go that way and it's going to show up in their behavior. But the person who is in Christ, who chooses to set his or her mind on what the Spirit desires, will also see the fruit of that in their life. If our heart is set on growing in holiness, in Christ-likeness, in character, in honoring God, in serving Him and serving others, on being good stewards of what we have, If we think about those things, if they are important to us and we are spending time with God and His Word or even as we come today and we worship and we think about what God is saying in His Word, that's going to bear fruit in our life. It is a natural result of where our mind is focused. And so it's a good question for each of us to ask, how holy is our thought life? What are the things that we are thinking about? What are we reading? What are we watching? Whether it's on television or movies. What are we putting into our mind? Are they feeding the flesh? Or do those things that we think about feed the Spirit and help us to grow in our understanding with Him? It is a lot easier to say no to sin if we are not putting ourselves in the way of temptation. In Philippians 4.8, Paul says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if there is anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And it's just a, a wonderful verse to memorize and to consider when we think about our thought life and the focus Are we thinking about those things that are true and noble and excellent and honoring to God and lovely and praiseworthy? Or do we find our mind going the other direction and being dragged down? The fruit of that will show in the way that we live. 
Paul also tells us that as Christians we have a new power and it is only by God's power that we can overcome the sinful nature. And we see that in verses 9 to 11. He says, You, however, are not controlled by the sinful nature but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. If we are truly in Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells in us. Every believer has the Holy Spirit living within him. The moment we come to Christ and we trust in Him as our Savior and Lord, we are baptized with the Holy Spirit and He comes to dwell in us. And so Paul says, if that Holy Spirit dwells in us, we will not be controlled by the sinful nature because the dominant influence in our life has changed. It doesn't mean that as Christians we will never sin. It doesn't mean that we might not struggle with sin just like Paul did again in Romans 7 when he struggled with coveting. But the way that we overcome that sin is through Christ and through the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. And this dominant influence in our life has changed so that the Spirit is always at work in us. He's always prompting us to do the right thing. He's always encouraging us. He is convicting us of sin. He is asking us to follow Jesus Christ and to walk after Him. He is changing our heart and our desires so that we desire what God desires. If someone does not have the Spirit of Christ, Paul says, he or she is not a believer. They are not in Christ at all. But if we are in Christ, then the same Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and me. Isn't that wonderful news? The same Holy Spirit who by His power raised Jesus from the dead, now lives in you and me. And it is by that power that we are changed and become more and more like Christ. As a believer, we grieve the Holy Spirit whenever we sin. Ephesians 4.30 We also quench the Holy Spirit when we ignore His promptings and His warnings. We see that in 1 Thessalonians 5.19 but we are filled with the Holy Spirit whenever we yield our life to His control. And Ephesians 5.18 says that we are to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit, allowing Him to work in us, to direct our thoughts, to influence our decisions and the choices that we make where we rely upon His power to change us. Life in the Spirit is possible only for the person who has Christ in their heart. The natural man cannot do this. The natural man can't understand what it's like to live in the Spirit. In fact, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2.14 that the man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. It's hard for us to describe the work of the Holy Spirit in our life, but it is very real. And when we see Him work in our hearts and guide us and lead us or answer prayer, it is so evident to us. But how do you explain that to a natural man? It's very difficult indeed. And yet, perhaps again, there are some analogies that can kind of give a picture of that. For example, it is also very hard to describe the awesome power of Niagara Falls if somebody's never seen it. 
You know, until you've been to Niagara Falls and you've heard the roar and you have felt the ground tremble beneath your feet, it's hard to describe that in a way that somebody else can understand. The same thing's true of people that have visited the Grand Canyon. It's hard to describe the awesome feeling you have when you stand at the edge of the Grand Canyon. It's so huge and so vast that a little 4 by 6 picture doesn't quite do it justice if you were to try and show someone that. There are things in the natural world that are hard to explain until somebody's experienced it, but the same is really true in the spiritual realm. It is hard for a believer to describe the work of the Holy Spirit. In answering prayer, or in times when He has moved us to pray, And it has been just the right time for you to pray for someone else. I mean, we hear stories of that where sometimes God has woken someone in the middle of the night and He's wanted you to pray. And perhaps you have done that as the Spirit has uh, prompted you and you've prayed for someone. And then later you found out how significant that was. In the midst of our trials, it's the Holy Spirit who gives us that overwhelming sense of peace. And I talk to many of you, when you've gone through difficulties in your life that have been hard, dealing with illness or surgery or trials with your children, and God has given you such a sense of peace that He is in control and you've felt that in your heart. There are times where in our service or in our giving, in our helping others, we just feel blessed to be able to do it. It's a great privilege. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Or when time and time again we've had to make decisions and we've prayed and we've asked for God to guide us and maybe we weren't sure at the time if it was the right thing to do. But looking back on our life, we see how the Holy Spirit has led us each step of the way. All of those things are part of His ministry. And they are very real in our life when we choose to follow Him. And Paul goes on to say then in verses 12 to 17 that we also have a new obligation now. But this obligation is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. We have a responsibility to put to death the misdeeds of the body. We are to put to death the old nature. We are to choose to do that. And the old-fashioned word that was used for that was mortification of the flesh. And we do that by not placing ourselves in the way of temptation. We do it by saying no to sin when Satan comes along to tempt us. We do it by choosing to focus upon the Word and to listen to what God has said and live that out. And those are daily choices that we need to make as Christians to do the right thing and to honor God each and every day. The more that we do that, the more that that becomes the habit and the pattern of our life. Again, we can only do that by the Holy Spirit's power as we follow His leading. You know, to take Ron's illustration of the Oreos, and, you know, the law says don't eat all those Oreos and things like that. Again, the power to overcome that, to choose to do the right thing, is not in our flesh. The power to overcome that is from the Holy Spirit, who gives us a new desire to want to honor Him and to value the fruit of what comes as we choose to do that. And in our life, the old habits fall away. 
and new habits begin. Paul tells us that in this passage our identity has changed. We have become sons and daughters of God because we are in Christ. We can call God our Abba Father just like Jesus. He's our Daddy. That's what the word Abba means. It's a term of affection. He tells us that we are co-heirs with Christ and one day we will see Him in all of His glory and we will share in all that He has in heaven. We are children of the King. Now live like it each and every day. One of the things that I hope that we learn to do more and more in our life is to follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit. There's a story of a woman who was living in the former Soviet Union before the Iron Curtain had fallen. And at that time, it was really illegal to share your faith in Jesus Christ openly. And so she told the story of how the Holy Spirit was prompting her to witness to her neighbor. And she didn't know quite how to do it, how to begin the conversation, but she um, felt this, the Holy Spirit prompting that here was a woman who had a need in her life. And so one day she got a couple bags of groceries and she brought that food over to this woman's home. And she left them there. And the woman who received those gifts from this woman was kind of puzzled by it, but was very grateful that someone would think to bring her some food. A few days later, this woman showed up again. She had been prompted by the Holy Spirit to buy this woman a pair of shoes. She was like, I don't know why, Lord, but, you know, okay, I'm not sure her size, but she kind of trusted the Holy Spirit, thought, well, maybe this would be an appropriate size, and so she bought her a pair of shoes. And then another day, it was a week or so later, and bought her some clothes. And each of those little gifts that she did was an act of love that she was showing in obedience to Jesus Christ. What she didn't know until the last gift was delivered was that this woman who was receiving the gift said to her, you know, I don't understand all of this. She goes, how is it that you are hearing the conversations that I am having with my husband? And she said, what do you mean? And she went on to tell this story about how her husband was an alcoholic and also very abusive. And how there were needs in their life. There was a shortage of food simply because he often took their money and drank it away. And so one day she was asking and begging that she would have some money to be able to buy the food for their children. And then you showed up at the door with these gifts. On another day, this particular woman had... Uh, been going from work uh, on the bus and when she had stepped out of the bus she stepped into some mud and she lost her shoe in the mud and it got run over and was basically ruined and so she had no shoes. And she asked her husband if she could have some money to buy shoes and her husband had said to her if you're foolish enough to lose your shoe then that's your problem. And you showed up at the door with some shoes for me. And the same thing was true again when she had an opportunity to interview for a different type of job that would be a little bit better work for her and a little bit more income. But she felt so embarrassed about the clothes that she had that she didn't really want to do that. And one day this woman showed up with some clothes. And the Christian simply shared with her that all of those were gifts where she felt prompted by God's Holy Spirit. And she responded in obedience to take those steps of faith.
Is it any wonder that that other woman came to know Christ as her Savior and Lord? Because of the love and obedience that was shown by this woman who chose to listen to the Holy Spirit's prompting in her life. You know, I think that's something that we learn to do over time. That we are, in a sense, trained to do as each day we choose to follow the Holy Spirit's leading. Because there are times when He prompts us to pray for someone, to be generous in our giving, to think of someone else and their need. Maybe it's someone that you work with at the office and it might be as simple as simply asking how they're doing or saying, can I pray for you in your situation? Or it might be as specific as taking a step of faith to bring something over to someone who is in need and you just don't know the whole story. You just know that the Holy Spirit wants you to do this. You know, the challenge for each of us is to learn to listen to the Spirit more and more in our life. D.L. Moody used to say that God commands us to be filled with the Spirit. And if we are not filled, then we are living beneath our privileges. The power is there. It is available to each one of us. But the choice is ours to make to choose to be filled and to listen to Him every single day. I want to challenge you to do something if you're not regularly in the habit of doing this. When I think about Romans chapter 8, I want to challenge you to put these things into practice. To think about what your mind is set on and to choose increasingly each and every day to say, Lord, I want to set my mind on those things that you desire. To choose then to draw upon his power, to realize that I can't change myself, but God, you can change me from the inside out. And so, Lord, today, here I am. I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. I want to walk with you today. Help me to be sensitive to your leading. If there's any sin that needs to be confessed, that you would do that. But to make that your habit each and every day for the next 30 days, I'd ask you to come before God and ask Him to fill you with His Holy Spirit and use you. And let's see what God will do. Can you imagine if each of us would make that the habit not just for 30 days, but for the rest of our life? That's His intent, that we would walk with Him each day in the power of His Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, Your Word tells us that You have given us everything we need to live the Christian life. You've given us Your precious and magnificent promises, the book of Peter says. You've given us the power of the Holy Spirit. You have delivered us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of Your Son. We have a new mindset. We are children of God. We are sons and daughters of the King. Now live like it. Now put these truths into practice. Father, would You help us to do that? Would You fill us with Your Holy Spirit and change our heart and our mind so that we desire more and more the things that you desire. And would you use us to be a blessing to others. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.